up, nerds? This is In My Expert Opinion, a podcast about the nonfiction side of speculative fiction. Your hosts are Dr. Marcus Cole. I get paid to do science. Sarah Ward. I'm a scientist in progress. And me, Abby Cole. I'm not a scientist at all. Join us as we geek out about the made-up stuff we love and the real stuff that shaped it. Today we're going to talk about Avatar, The Last Airbender, and the four classical elements. Oh yeah. Ayo. It was only a matter of time before we got to Avatar, The Last Airbender. I mean, how could we not, right? Truly, truly, truly. And honestly, to celebrate this like fantastic achievement of our podcast, I shaved my head this week. So I was just trying oh, to really nice. embrace all the ang and just yeah. be prepared to talk some Avatar. Did you also get uh, blue tattoos? Yeah, dude, I'm like arrow tattooed up. Oh, shit, man. <laughs> uh, I didn't realize you were an airbending master already. Dude, That's no. actually extremely impressive. We are getting ahead of ourselves. I- Let's <laughs> talk about what the show is. Uh, Avatar The Last Airbender is a children's TV show that used to air on Ninit, Nit, Nit, Ninit, Nit, Nick. No, no. It tells the story of Aang, who is, as you might guess, an avatar and the last airbender. Whoa. The first A is for Avatar, the second A in his name is for Airbender. Yeah. And the N is for Nickelodeon. Nice guy. (laughs) NG is for nice guy. Avatar Airbender, nice guy. (laughs) Yeah, this this story takes place in a world where uh, basically there are four different nations that can do this thing called bending, Mm -hmm. where they control earth, water, fire, and or air. You can only do one of them if you can bend it all. Yeah. You can only do one of them unless you are the Avatar. Exactly. Uh, The Avatar is the master of all four elements. Actually, the opening to the show, the iconic opening sort of sequence that they have in place of a theme song, Mm -hmm. I think tells the story of the premise of the show really well. Do you think either of you can remember the the whole opening opening sequence? Yeah. I want to see if you guys, see if you take a crack at it. All right. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. Long ago, everyone was in harmony, but everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. (sighs) (laughs) Only the Avatar, master of all four (laughs) elements, could save them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. (sighs) A hundred years passed, and my brother and I found the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. Uh, he's not good at it yet, but (laughs) 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 he's got a lot to learn or something like that. Um, but I believe that that Aang can save the world. Da, da, na, na. I think that's wow, pretty that good. Wow, that was really good. I do Thank not you. have memory for these th- kinds of things, so I'm glad you could <laughs> could handle that on your own. To be fair, I, I think I could probably do you one better, but I'm not going to sit here and show you up. Uh, I'm wow. sure you can say it correctly because I was over here being like, and then, and he's <laughs> bad at and, it. And this happened. Plus, yeah. I did just spring this on you, whereas I was fully prepared for it. Anyway, uh, Avatar is a pretty popular show, so I, I don't know how much depth we need to get into, but that's the basic gist of it, uh, is that people can uh, bend elements. So, like, shoot water around or knock some earth around or shoot fire out of their hands, that kind of thing. Um, and Aang needs to master all of the elements to defeat the Fire Lord to restore balance to the world. Yeah. Right. He's going to be the savior. Um, the only other clarification, I guess, is that, like, water and earth are, like, limited. Like, they can't, like, 
manifest them in the same yeah, way that like true. firebenders can manifest fire um like a firebender doesn't have like yes. have a source of fire to be able to to do their thing but like a waterbender needs water like nearby kind of thing yeah right an airbender needs air but that's sort of a non-issue mm-hmm. yeah as that's like in terms of scarcity <laughs> as long as you're not underwater or in space you're pretty much okay yeah so basically, uh, these humans learned to bend elements to do their bending. The firebenders learned it from dragons. The moon taught the waterbenders how to bend. Badger moles taught the earthbenders how to bend. And sky bison taught the airbenders how to bend. Right, 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 right. Uh, in Korra, the sequel to this show, which we'll get into one day for sure, they expand on this to include sort of the original source of bending, which is like a whole lion turtle thing. Yeah. But we'll... Uh, We'll come to that. We'll burn that bridge when we come to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, thank you for that caveat, though, because I was like, I thought it was the lion turtles, technically, that bestowed bending upon the people. <laughs> you know, definitely the lion turtles, as established later. Uh, the lion turtles yeah. also can teach the avatar specifically a fifth kind of bending, which is like essence or like spirit bending. Yeah, I think yes. they call it like energy bending on like the fan wiki. That makes more sense. I couldn't remember the name of it, but basically energy it allows bending, the avatar yeah. to like take away someone's bending. Yeah. Uh, so we're actually, it's interesting that you bring that up. So we're going to be talking mostly about ancient Greek and Buddhist roots for the four elements. Mm-hmm. Um, And both of those traditions uh, have later added or sometimes in certain traditions of it added a fifth element that's like ether or void so it sort of has that as an option as well Mm -hmm. Um, but generally speaking we're just looking at those elemental ones the earth water fire air or wind depending yeah uh we would be remiss if we didn't note that avatar the last airbender was an american creation but is heavily based in uh specifically eastern uh asian influences but generally also uh, other influences, like different indigenous groups, um, you know, South Asian, Southeastern Asian. It does predominantly draw from, like, East Asia, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it makes sense that it would draw from, like, Buddhist stuff if we're talking about, like, the classical four elements. Yeah. Right. Some Buddhist stuff and then some Greek because it is a Western thing. I will say that in Japanese and Chinese traditions, there's a sort of a five element thing and, like, Chinese... Uh, doesn't have air but it does have metal and wood yeah oh so it's there's a variation we're just going to talk about the ones that that more directly parallel the ones that are in the show whereas yeah yeah i mean there's metal bending in the show eventually as well but that sort of gets smooshed under it's like earth bending right and there's like plant bending but that gets smooshed underwater so right while some of those quote-unquote elements that that are in chinese traditions show up they are not categorized in the way that they would be in chinese traditions I'm also only going to talk about stuff before Jesus. Uh, (laughs) Are we saying that Jesus was like the Fire Nation kind of thing? Or like, what exactly? Like, why did that stop being a thing after Jesus? It is my arbitrary date that I'm setting as the last thing I'm going to talk about. Sure. Okay. Because basically, after after the Jesus stuff, we start hurtling towards alchemy. um, Oh, I see. Yeah. Creating boundaries between our episodes. Man, we're always coming back to alchemy on this show, huh? Yeah. Um, and since everybody else has decided Jesus is the turning point, I'm just going to hop on that bandwagon. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say that uh, Jesus is an analog of the Fire Nation. No, I wouldn't make that claim. Okay. Okay. Um, I guess as a, and you'll probably mention this, but was there like a first element that like kind of jump started the whole idea of the like the four elements? Like I would guess maybe fire. 
I'm going to actually ask you to table that. Oh, okay. We're going to come back to that. Once we once we get to the Greeks, I will come back around to that question, Marcus. Say no more. Yeah. I want to start with Buddhism, um, partly because the Eastern traditions are sort of more of what the show's sort of culture and aesthetic are based on. Totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Most Buddhist schools of thought don't really believe that the material world is strictly permanent or real. So there's an element to which, well, I shouldn't say element so casually in this episode. (laughs) There's a certain degree to which talking about um, the four classical elements is a little bit, I don't know, incongruous with Buddhist thought in general, right? Which is because if you're talking about these material things, it makes sense. I guess if you're not, if you're saying the material world doesn't really matter, but like you're kind of like basing this on like material things, there, there's like, there's a disconnect there in like your... Right. But the way that it's sort of looked at the four elements in Buddhist schools of thought is sort of like their qualities that can be defined about what we experience as the material world, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. So it's not like this is the truth, but rather this is sort of the qualities of the world that we experience on a day-to-day basis. Sure. Sure. Yeah. An early Buddhist tradition in writings from the Abhidharma from India around the 3rd, 5th century BC describes the world as being composed of the four great elements, which are earth, water, fire, and wind. Mm-hmm. And the way it's described in these texts is not so much that it has like they have a permanent or static state, but they're just sort of a way of understanding the world around you. So the way of considering uh, the world that you're experiencing on a day-to-day basis. But the problem with this, like I said, is that there's this sort of incongruity with Buddhist ideals, and we start to get in some into some ethical difficulties because of the way that people talk about sort of the logical outcomes. If the world is made up of these four things, then what does that mean for us as people, right? So in writings from the Karavaka school, a person named Ajita Kesakambali uh, wrote that the human being is composed of the four great elements, and when one dies, the earth part reverts to earth, the water part to water, the fire part to fire, the air part to air, and the faculties pass away into space. Fools and wise at the breaking up of the body are destroyed and perish. They do not exist after death. So basically, this sort of is doing away with the idea of a human soul. Yeah. And Mm. similarly, another early teacher of Buddhism said the earth body, the water body, the fire body, the air body, pleasure and pain and the life principle. Thus, there is neither slain nor slayer, neither hearer nor proclaimer, neither knower nor causer of knowing. And whosoever cuts off a man's head with a sharp sword does not deprive anyone of life. He just inserts the blade in the intervening space between these seven bodies. Oh, my God. Wow. (laughs) That's kind of intense, huh? Yeah. So you're saying like you're not actually (laughs) capable of committing murder? That's sort of what the problem is here, right? Like like as like a society, it's like, hey, like, oh, we're not actually taking life away because we we're just interfering. Right. So then we have this ethical problem of like, if anything is just returning elements back to the earth and nothing exists, then there's no moral issue with killing. But it's not like Buddhists are like, ha ha ha, now we can murder everyone. Yeah, I mean, it's just like a framing device to like look at people and bodies and spirits kind of thing. The solution to this becomes like more that the elements are more metaphysical. So in later mm-hmm. Abhidharma texts, matter isn't a substance, but a quality of experience. So we experience things not as like tactile, but inherently formed by emotional response. So like, it's not like we can feel the earth. We like experience it something as like a jab or a scratch or a caress. So by including this sort of emotional response to things in an understanding of what these sensations of the physical world are, it sort of reintroduces the human spirit basically back into this way of looking at it. 
that. I guess that makes sense that it, I don't know, that's a conclusion that is reached. A lot of Buddhist principles are based in, like, not like nihilism exactly, but this idea of, I don't know, impermeance in a way that is, like, maybe incongruous with, like, how we do, like, ethical processing here, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yes. Um, so later, a later version of the Abhidharma speaks of these four elements, not as things, but as qualities, as I mentioned. Um, so earth is like the quality of solidity and extension. Water is that of fluidity and cohesion. Fire is that of cold and heat. And wind is that of distension and mobility. So these are the ways in which we discriminate between experiences, which we collectively refer to as the body. So this is a pretty like metaphysical type way of looking at it, which there is kind of an aspect of that in Avatar, but really mostly it is just like chucking water at each other. It's pretty much usually only the Avatar themselves who has this sort of like metaphysical relationship, spiritual balancing metaphysically stuff. Yeah. Mm. Or Iroh. Or Iroh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because Iroh is the one who like, uh, I mean, he teaches it to his nephew, who is the son of the Fire Lord, like the idea of... um, taking lessons from each of the elements and the things associated Mm -hmm. with them like air is an element of like freedom mobility movement and stuff like that water also is something about like being fluid and movement but Mm -hmm. in like a less detached way kind of thing and being able to like incorporate that into your own like personal philosophy and lifestyle as well as your like bending style um but that seems to kind of be like this line of thinking of like these are the metaphysical aspects associated with these elements this is how they affect my life even though i'm a firebender I take the lessons of, like, the other Mm -hmm. elements and use them to become, like, a better person. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I will say that, like, this metaphysical aspect is also more present in the Airbender Nation, which is more closely modeled after Buddhist traditions. Yes. But they're all dead. Aang is the last Airbender. Right. So uh, all of his people have been killed by the Fire Nation. So that's sort of why we don't have that element as much. Um, Again, later in Korra, we get sort of back towards that um, once... Once things happen in Korra. Yeah. <laughs> right, once Airbenders kind of take center stage for a hot second, or at least in a way they do, um, and then that metaphysical stuff comes back in, like, full exactly. swing. Yeah. But I also guess, like, during, like, Aang's, like, kind of, like, training, and, like, especially when he's, like, trying to develop, like, his firebending, it's almost like he's experiencing, like, an existential crisis with, like, tapping into, like, the firebending kind of, like, mind state. Because mm-hmm. it's so, like, disconnected from, like, really like water like water and wind seem like somewhat connected just like with flu- fluidity and levity but also just kind of like being very centered yeah he had a really easy time with the water bending yeah but like the fire was just very difficult for him it's because i feel like it is so different from all of these metaphysical like elements that are tied to that element well he felt like he was like out of control and like that he yes. would hurt someone and stuff like that yeah and he had a hard time like being able to connect with it like he had to like experience it i guess also in kind of like a weird way because the way he like regains the ability to like connect with fire as an element is finding dragons. Yeah, exactly. And the dragons mm-hmm. expose him to like different types of fire. He like sees colors he's never seen before. It's like this like very like spiritual kind of experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for him and Zuko, because right. because Zuko could yeah, even like yeah. really Zuko's bend at that too. time. Yeah, well, because hey, he like lost his connection. Mm-hmm. And then Aang also had trouble with the earth bending, right? Because it was like it's the opposite of air. It's like solid and immovable and stuff like that. And he's like unable to do it for a while because he can't like connect with the element. Yeah, this is a, actually a pretty good transition to the more sort of concrete aspect of this, right? Because the the fire thing is more of an ethical, metaphysical problem that he has with that. Mm-hmm. And then the earth thing is literally like, this is too hard. I'm used to air. This is heavy. Yeah, Toph's over here being like, punch it with your face. And he's like, I can't. I can't punch it with my face. I can't do that, actually. Come on, twinkle toes. You got this. <laughs> 
So when we're looking at more concrete, like physical four elements, uh, that sort of brings us to the ancient Greeks. But we got to take a brief detour to the Persians, mm-hmm. who the ancient Greeks, I mean, it's hard to say in antiquity exactly what ideas were transferred when and in what way. Mm-hmm. But Professor Fathi Habashi at Laval University suggests that the ancient Greeks got their idea of the four elements from the Persians. Uh-huh. So we're going to take a brief detour there. Although, as you'll see, the Persian version of it is a little bit more different from Avatar than either the Buddhist or the ancient Greek. But this professor is like, hey, stop leaving out the Persians. So I'm not going to leave out the Persians. Awesome. I mean, that's fair. If you're going to like talk about in like a chemistry textbook, like elements, not as a um, periodic table of elements, but as like water and fire and stuff like that. Like if it originated yeah. in Persia originally, then it's disingenuous not to put that in your textbook. Yeah. So it was the Persian prophet Zarathustra in the 7th century BC, whose name Professor Habashi says was corrupted by the Greek uh, writers to Zoroaster about two centuries before Aristotle. Wait, is this like the Zoroasterism thing? Yeah. Oh, that's from a guy? Yeah, Zarathustra. I didn't learn history, I guess. Well, I didn't know about this because the Persians have been left out of a lot of shit. I found yeah. out about this last week. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess so. Hmm. Uh, yeah, Zarathustra of also Sprach, Zarathustra, mm-hmm. the song. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. No. The bomb, 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 bomb. Oh, yes, 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 yes. It's from the 2001 Space Odyssey thing. Oh, yeah. okay. Got it. Anyway, in Zoroastrianism or Zarathustra, I don't know, this, the idea here with the four elements is that air, water, and earth are all sort of one kind of element, which are these things that need to be kept pure and free from being defiled and taken really seriously. And then fire, as the fourth one there, is sort of this sacred, more like divine element. So uh, this sort of gets at what you were saying at before, Marcus, but like air, water and earth, like you got to take care, make sure that you're not trashing everything, make sure you're like responsibly cultivating crops and like drinking clear water and that kind of thing. Um, Fire's a little more complicated as a symbol of divinity. It's a part of religious worship. Although Professor Hibashi points out that the fire itself isn't worshipped, like a bunch of people are like, oh, yes, Zoroastrians, they worshipped fire, which is not the case. It's just sort of a part of the worship process. Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, Professor Habashi suggests that uh, it is recommended that the authors of chemistry textbooks or history of chemistry books, when mentioning the theory of the four elements, should stress its purge origin and should mention it as the theory of the four sacred elements, as it has nothing to do with chemical elements. So all you textbook publishers out there, please stop leaving the Persians out. Take a fucking hint. <laughs> Respect the history. Anyway, the ancient Greeks. Once we've credited the Persians, we can move on to the ancient Greeks. Yeah, let's go on and uh, start dunking on these people because they had some good Mm -hmm. ideas and a bunch of very, very (laughs) bad ideas that I do like to make fun of. Yes. Uh, Ancient Greeks. This is where I'm coming back to your question for real, for real, Marcus. Awesome. About a hundred years before we get this uh, theory of four classical elements in ancient Greece, we have an ancient Greek dude named Thales who insisted that literally everything is made of water. (laughs) Okay, whatever. Everything, everything. This guy sounds like the spiritual precursor to that dude in the alchemy episode we talked about. What is his name? Von Helmont or something who like did the whole yes. thing with the Alga Hest and the universal solvent. And he was like, actually, everything's made of water because one time I grew a tree just by watering it. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's right. It's exactly like that. Yeah, this dude was convinced everything was water. Sure. He had some other oh, uh, people who studied under him who were like, no, it's all air and no, it's all fire. But oh, they just picked different elements. They didn't argue on any other basis of like, oh, no. that doesn't make any sense, actually, that it's just one element. No. They were like, um, actually, it's a <laughs> yeah. different element. You fucking idiot. Yeah. 
You idiot. And are, were these all like just like philosophers at the time doing this? They, these weren't like precursors to like scientists like trying to experiment and like do measurements. They were just like, I don't agree. In, it's it's air. In ancient Greece, in ancient Greece, all of them were all they scientists all did and also not scientists. Um, okay. Well, I feel I like mean, these experiments probably sucked. And <laughs> I mean, they had to have sucked. Of course they sucked. There's no way one of these fools like cut someone open and saw fire and went, ha ha, I proved my theory. Look, that that's a fiery yeah. heart right there pumping out fire into the veins. You see that? It's on fire. It's burning up. <laughs> <laughs> Thales, you can actually read about some of his experiments that he conducted. He did predict a solar eclipse once and he like had this whole thing with water that he conducted. I mean, it's all, I didn't get into it too much because he was all about the one element and not any other sure, ones. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you can look this dude up. He's a little wild. Yeah. But- uh, in ancient Greece, we have to credit Empedocles of Akragos for... Thank you, Empedocles. Yes, thank you, Empedocles. He was a Greek philosopher who is best known for his belief that all matter was composed of four elements. Um, same ones, fire, air, water, earth. Uh, some people have considered him the inventor of rhetoric. Oh, also of rhetoric. And the founder of the science of medicine. Oh, wow. Also medicine. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right. Empedocles, you got very busy, dude. Got a lot yeah, done. Yeah, seriously. Right. I was just about to say, I guess he heard these four other people arguing and went, oh, fucking idiots. Actually, it's all four of those elements. It's not just one of them. Mm-hmm. You complete morons. It's all four Either- of them. <laughs> Either that or he stole it from the Persians. Yeah. Well, you know, little column A, little column B. When I was reading up on this guy, I found some like absolutely delightful ways that a bunch of his contemporaries described him. And it's all very poetic and fancy. So I'm going to read you some things that people had to say about Empedocles. These are his reviews. Five out of five stars. (laughs) His reviews. Yes. Yes. Uh, So one person said he was not only a philosopher, but a poet, a seer, a physicist, a social reformer, a man of so much enthusiasm that he would be easily considered a charlatan by some people or become a legendary hero in the eyes of others. Wow, this dude is mega excited, huh? Uh, charlatan. Yeah, seriously, right? Uh, I'll go, we'll go ahead and decide that. (laughs) There's no way you're doing all of these jobs well. There's no way you're doing all of these things to (laughs) any kind of like professional level. Like maybe one or two. (laughs) Maybe. Another person described him as a man of fervid imagination, versatility, and eloquence with a touch of theatricality. This guy was a fucking character, huh? Man. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I'm just like seeing the eccentric uh, academic all over again. Yeah. Come to my laboratory and also can I engage you in some (laughs) rhetoric and also I am uh, working on a play as well. Can you uh, review it for me? Uh, Can you uh, you read this? (laughs) Tell me me what you think about it. I wrote a movie. (laughs) He invented also cinema, yes. Wait, really? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, someone's claiming that? How? Oh my God. No, no, no. Empedocles, uh, here's another quote, my last one. So great and rare a man that he left no school. None of his admirers or disciples, not even the faithful Posianius, was able to continue the master's work. Maybe because it was all a bunch of fucking bullshit. <laughs> Dude, maybe it was written in some kind of like cryptic code, much oh, like God, the alchemist, and no yeah. one could ever really uh, re- interpret it again. Everyone looked at his notes and he was like, and then the butterfly took off and had a child. And everyone was like, I can't. What does that mean, man? But it's beautiful. It's He's a poet. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, God, he's a poet, too. <laughs> no, yeah, that was one of the things I think on one of my lists. I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah, it was really funny that uh, you you guys are describing this as such bullshit. I don't know if he wrote in code or whatever, but when I was reading one of the uh, articles about him, the authors sort of, without any sense of irony, wrote, and I quote, Empedocles did not base his four-element hypothesis on any experimental evidence. Woof. <laughs> Woof. And they said that as if that was okay? They were just describing it. I mean... As if that wasn't, like, complete fucking bullshit? (laughs) I don't think it was, like, a value judgment so much as it was, like, hey, guys, like, this is what he said, but also he literally did nothing to prove it. (laughs) He did pull it out of his ass. But that's no big deal. That's just the way it was done back then. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, yeah, he, quote, unquote, came up with this four elements thing along with the forces of love and strife. Um, what? Well, you've got four elements, and then you've got love and strife. And love mixes things, and strife separates them. So he tried to invent addition and subtraction (laughs) by saying love and strife? And by varying love and strife, you get different things. So like- Wait, hold on. Let me me ask you uh, one of these. So (laughs) what is earth, love, water, love, air- strife <laughs> like what is that you know Whoa. what i mean can you uh can you let me know what i get when i do that uh, little equation say it say it one more time this rebus puzzle of i forgot it so let's try it let's do it give me a different one earth love water strife fire plutonium <laughs> no what that's a real element slow down buddy wait okay earth love water strife fire yeah i'm gonna say you would get clay <laughs> Okay, so plutonium's a fake answer, but clay is an acceptable <laughs> answer. You know, clay isn't real, guys, so obviously. Let's see. Or, like, um, what's another cold, earthy thing, wet, earthy thing? Like uh, like a uh, fungus, maybe? Oh, my God. I don't know. <laughs> this is so wild. Dude, I, all, I'm, all I can think about is, like, love is, like, being a... An overhead mixer and strife being like a separation funnel. I'm just like, okay. I was thinking of Captain Planet. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you went real science with yeah, it. Yeah, I was I like, went, I'm just trying to think about lab equipment. This is like everyone putting their hands together and being like, I don't remember what they did in Captain Planet, but you know what I mean? Like this idea of like, I guess we just like each other. So that means that <laughs> these elements work together now. No, man, you need all the strife in the extraction funnel so your hydrophobic and hydrophilic layers separate. They just need that strife. That's definitely what he was talking about, like for sure, for sure. For sure he was talking about that. I think I made it pretty clear that he did not do any experiments at all. Well, how do we know he's writing a bunch of fucking poetic bullshit? Maybe he did all the experiments and they just couldn't decipher any of them. Yeah, they couldn't read it. Okay. Anyway, Empedocles came up with this cosmological theory, which is basically that the world is an unending cycle of the competition of love and strife, and the cosmos as we know it is a result of intermediate phases of the two extremes of the triumph of one of those forces, which is actually not unlike some of what we see later in Korra. Yeah. That's true, actually, yeah. Anyway, Aristotle was a big fan of this guy. Okay, sure. Uh, He was one of the people who was like, oh, yes, Empedocles invented rhetoric, although I could not find any information about why he thought Empedocles invented rhetoric. He just decided it. He was like, this guy did it. This guy fucking knew what was up. (laughs) I dug and dug and dug until I hit 
literal ancient Greek texts. And I was like, okay, well, this is where my digging stops, I guess. <laughs> so uh, Aristotle's four elements thing is basically what became most famous and enduring, at least in Western traditions. This is what shows up in all those chemistry textbooks. Um, and he thought that there was like a prime matter that only had a potential existence until it was impressed by form. And that uh, that form was these four elements and also four qualities. So these four elements and four qualities are often depicted with like a square inscribed inside a diamond. Mm -hmm. And that the elements are at each corner of the diamond and the qualities are where the square intersects the diamond. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Got it. And those qualities are hot, dry, moist, and cold. So, yes. So each element has two of these qualities. Uh, can you guess what fire's two qualities are? Uh, moist and cold. Hot and moist. <laughs> it's a hot and moist fire. It's not hot and dry? No, it's hot and dry, yeah. No, nah, I want it to be moist. I want it to be a moist fire. It's moist. All of them are actually moist. That's the secret, is that every single one of the points was just moist? <laughs> <laughs> yes, fire's hot and dry. Water, believe it or not, is moist. And cold. Damn it. Air is hot and moist and earth is dry and cold. Okay. So they never had hot water. Cold baths only, man. Cold baths Ooh, only. That boy. sucks, man. Cold baths only. Actually, I think it probably was hot water because the water had love and fire. Uh-huh. No, actually, so that's that's some <laughs> that's some empedically shit, but Aristotle had this idea that these elements can pass into one another. What? by the medium of the quality that they have in common. So like, because fire is hot and dry and air is hot and moist, fire can become air through the medium of heat because they both have that in common. Okay, interesting. But water could never, like, but you could never have water becoming fire. Not directly. I think you'd have to go through earth or air. Now, I don't want to give him credit, but that is actually a sensible sentence to me. Yeah, water cannot become fire. Makes sense to me. <laughs> I'm going to have to give it to him. That one does make sense. <laughs> He later added a fifth element uh, that was later called ether, although he didn't call it ether because at the time he was like, wait, what the fuck are stars made of, though? <laughs> he ether. was like, wait, shit, shit. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I can make sense of literally everything else, but I don't know what the fuck stars are made of. So I guess there's another one. I like to think that he like woke up in a panic one night and like ran outside and was like, fuck. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> Shit! He had on the day he had too much cheese and cut it into too small of pieces. <laughs> too small of atom sizes, yeah. <laughs> uh, he had, yeah, cheese fueled fever dream. That's like, oh, oh my god! What are oh, the cosmos? The oh man! What if the cheese got a little funky and some mushrooms grew in there and he was having like a psychedelic episode and he was like, "Oh my god, the ether!" <laughs> yes, this I is figured what happened. It out, guys. I caught it. <laughs> No, he didn't call it ether. He was actually uh, kind of cranky when people tried to call it that, so they only called it uh, after he was dead. <laughs> they waited till he was dead to say it. Everyone was just <laughs> yeah. quietly saying it behind his back <laughs> until he died. It's like, oh shit, Aristotle's coming here. Just don't don't say ether. <laughs> uh, yeah. So these these four elements and these qualities uh, later become the basis of the four humors, which we're not going to get into that now because I suspect we may be able to get into the four humors later. But if- I mean, why even talk about them? Because they're so correct and scientifically accurate. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no need to talk about it at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, that's sort of the Greek version of it. And Avatar, as I mentioned, has elements of both these like Buddhist and Greek ideologies mm-hmm. when it's like rock punching and fire shooting and water freezing stuff it's more the greek version but when you get into the sort of like how they relate to oneself then then it's more about the buddhist way of looking at things got it 
is there like another maybe like I guess historical reference to like the combination of all the elements like producing like something of like infinite power or like infinite good or like like something that would be analogous to like the whole concept of like an avatar bringing together all these elements to like save the world and bring balance to society. I mean, the combination of all the elements is the body is the, is a person. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, okay, here's what it is. Here what it here's what it is. Fire, love. Uh-huh. God damn it. God yeah. damn it. Fire, love, air, love, water, love, earth is a good person. Okay? And fire, strife, air, strife, water, strife, earth is a disintegrated bad person. And that's my expert opinion. And that's your expert and opinion. That's oh, what that's what it is. Wow. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. Wow. Thanks for listening to In My Expert Opinion. Please remember to rate and subscribe. We'd also be grateful if you'd leave a review with your expert opinion on why this podcast is rad. Five-star reviews will get a shout-out on the podcast. Pretty big deal, if you ask me. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at expertopspod, or email inmyexpertopinion at gmail.com. Later, nerds!